To me, that is like my favorite kind of simple cooking, where you've been able to do a little bit of work on the front end, and then you remember that you have something that's ready to go whenever you want it. Hi, Healthiest Friends, and welcome to the Healthiest Podcast, where we explore food and wellness in all their delicious complexity. I'm Amanda Shapiro, the editorial director at Bon Appetit and the founding editor of Healthiest. Today, we're talking about summer cooking, and this summer feels really special. I know it sounds cheesy, but after the year and change we've had, we finally have things to do, people to see, places to be. Here at BA, we're calling it the summer of making up for lost time. And we don't actually mean spending a lot of time in the kitchen. To celebrate the summer of making up for lost time, we developed simple summer recipes that are designed to cut back on your kitchen time so you can lean all the way into your fun time. And today we're going to talk about some of those recipes with two of my favorite people on earth. One, our honorable test kitchen director, Chris Morocco, who I'd estimate has had about three pour-overs by the time we're recording this in the late afternoon, and contributing editor to BA, Emil Stanek, who worked on this summer recipe lineup for our June-July issue and even developed a few of the recipes in it. Hey, guys. Thank you for hopping in on the Healthiest podcast. Hi. Thank you so much, Amanda. <laughs> it's great to talk to you both. It feels, uh, it feels so normal, which is the thing I've been saying a lot recently with great enthusiasm. Well, it feels normal, but somehow we're still on a Zoom in like a million different places. Uh, so, you know. But, but a very normal, intimate Zoom. A very, very intimate Zoom. There's something special about having proper headphones on. I'm really in the moment here with you guys. <laughs> okay, let's get right into it. Tell me what cooking looks like right now in both of your houses. Be honest. Don't give me like the Bon Appetit editor answer. <laughs> um, do you want to go first, Emil? No, you go for it. Amanda, first of all, you are not alone. I'm so sick of cooking. It's like actually yes. a little bit awkward to have the job that I have and be as sick of cooking as I am. Like I'm I'm in a I'm in a deep funk, like a funky deep cooking crisis. And and this issue was partly born of the fact that it was kind of like, oh, summer 2021, like kind of almost normal maybe, you know, hopefully question mark and how simple can we make the food that we want to eat? And how can we get ourselves to eat as well as we want to, but spend less time in the kitchen? That was our way in here. You know, we just wanted to not necessarily not eat well, but we just wanted to put in a lot less effort to do it. That's a great sales pitch, Chris, but you didn't actually answer the question, which is, what are you currently cooking in your house right now? <laughs> Oh, gosh. I mean, currently, I, I don't even know. I'm trying to get my grill connected still. It's still, I haven't found the right gas hose, Amanda. I'm, you better so you're not eating. <laughs> Basically, no. Um, this is the thing, like, nobody in my family will eat the same thing. And listen, oh, believe me, before you have kids, oh, but my kids are going to, trust me, my kids are going to eat what I eat, you know, no kids meal, like, over at this table. Trust me, they would rather starve, okay, than take a bite of my pasta that has green stuff in it, okay? That sounds really dire. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, there are a few things where we can find uh, shared ground, like 
pasta, you know, sauce on, sauce off. Meatballs, generally speaking, are safe territory. We love a chicken curry. Got it. Sounds sounds super simple. How about you, Emil? So my wife is the chef at a restaurant. And for the last year, like our pod has been like me, my wife, Lauren, and her business partner, Anna, who is the general manager at the restaurant, who also we refer to as my wife's wife. Please shout out the restaurant too. Oh yeah, Kitty's, Kitty's Market in Hudson, New York, uh, come through. Yeah, so I've been kind of like the one who's been cooking for a lot of the last little bit, like since they opened the restaurant in September. And it, they close at seven, so they're not home until eight. So it's like we're always eating really late. And then I'm kind of the one who's sitting at home with our dog waiting for everybody to get home. I'm also like, I'm terrible at grocery shopping. So most of what we eat is different remixed things that I can steal from the walk-in at the restaurant. There are certain vegetables that I know that we'll always have. We have this amazing place called Applestone in Hudson, which is a... Uh, Groovy, pastured meat, but all sold through a vending machine. <laughs> the meat vending machine. Yeah, the meat vending machine. It's great. I think like the, the most fragile time for me, especially because we were upstate and it was just so brutally cold, was like February. That was when we were doing the most freezer section. It was like I bought this enormous bag of fish sticks that oh, were like my God. really... Fish it was sticks. Like, oh, yeah, fish sticks. Yeah, I got really into frying. That was like the thing that I was doing a lot of. We just had like a pot of oil on the stove. And once you once you have the pot of oil, you're like, well, I don't want to dump this out. So I'm going to use can I it put a in couple here? of times. So it's like you would have a week that had three meals that featured fried foods. Then I would just be at the grocery store and I'd be like, oh, we've got the oil. I'm going to get the frozen French fries. And we're just going to, fr- we're making steak free. Like You, lo- just- you start to look at every ingredient through the lens of like, will it go in my pot of oil? Yes, exactly, exactly. And a lot will. Yeah, well, let's leave that for the for the not healthyish podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get back on track. When you were both thinking up this recipe package about simple summer cooking, what was the definition of simple for you? Well, I mean, I think that's the thing is it does mean something really different to everybody, and so uh, some of the recipes are truly five or six ingredients, and that feels like for a certain kind of person that is simple, you know, and yeah. for another person it's like. They want to do as little prep or as little actual cooking as possible or use as few pans as possible. So I feel like we were trying to get that spread. For some people who stock a lot of spices in their pantry, a recipe like the chicken seek kebabs would be a really simple one because it's just you've got all those spices ready to go. Right. And then for those of us who just want to drink, there's, you know, your DIY sour mix. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, it's I feel like that is really the thing about cocktails. It's like everybody wants one, but nobody wants to make one. And doing a little bit of work on the front end, basically just mixing citrus and some sugar in the right proportion so that all you have to do is mix that with tequila to get a margarita or whiskey to get a whiskey sour or white rum to make a classic daiquiri. To me, that is like my favorite kind of simple cooking, where you've been able to do a little bit of work on the front end And then you remember that you have something that's ready to go whenever you want it. Just add alcohol. Just add alcohol. (laughs) Or, you know, you could, you know, this is healthy-ish. You could put some in a tall glass with ice and top it with seltzer and it would be delicious. Just add kombucha. (laughs) Yeah, just add kombucha. (laughs) Okay, let's go back to the chicken seek kebabs that you mentioned, Emil. Chris, I know you cooked through this dish. Tell us all about it. 
This was a really cool one from Chintan Pandya of Ada and other restaurants in New York. And he had this like wonderful recollection of eating these kebabs, which use a base of ground chicken. He kind of does his own ground chicken at the restaurant where he uses the food processor to kind of really quickly sort of grind chicken. But anyway, you can use anything from the grocery store or even ground turkey. Other meats would be totally fair game as well. And it's so many spices. I mean, there's like garam masala. There was black caraway. There was even like a little bit of cheese in there that traditionally would be a mool cheese, but that he used cheddar as a substitute, which was just revelatory because ground chicken can tend to be a little bit lacking in the same fat that other ground meats can have. So it's kind of just boring. That you're, you're trying to say boring. I, I, we, no, <laughs> your words, not mine. <laughs> um, Don't slander and, ground chicken around here. <laughs> look, there's a time and a place for ground chicken. I had some great chicken larb last night from this Thai takeout place in Bridgewood. And I was like, damn, there's definitely a time and a place for ground chicken, but you really have to sell me on it. Well, I think you can't just add a modest amount of anything to it and expect it to become full on delicious. And like, this is not one of those recipes. There is garlic, ginger, there's cilantro, there is mint. He even brushes the finished kebabs with melted butter. Again, just bring that savory richness right back. And it's not out of balance. They're not over the top, but they're just full on flavorful. And so anyway, you take this mixture, you just combine everything. To your point, Emil, you know, I think simplicity is really in the eye of the beholder, right? And this package for us actually represents something that I don't know that we've ever done before, where we put a 30-minute time restriction on every recipe in this package. And, you know, I think having the clock ticking in terms of making all of your choices count it really makes you be incredibly honest with yourself about what is achievable in that time frame, You know, so whether to Emil's point, you rely on your pantry to bring a lot of flavor and a lot of kind of dynamic elements, or whether you just like use that time period to try to develop as much flavor as possible, as quickly as possible in the cooking process. You know, there's a lot of different ways to go. But like I said, the clock is ticking. I'm just imagining you guys in the test kitchen, although I know a lot of this was tested from home. I'm just imagining like the game show style, like you start the timer and then you're like, go, go, go. It has to be under 30 minutes. How strict, like how strict were you when you were testing these recipes to make sure that they fit under that limit? We were very strict, but in in a way that, you know, I think there's a reason we haven't done this before. For us, it's hard to, I don't know, at Bon Appetit, we have a hard time really like imposing limitations of that sort on Oh, do we? Oh, do we, Chris? (laughs) Let's move along to a recipe that stars what I think of as like one of the most iconic summer items of produce, which are tomatoes. And I th- I feel like every year we're like, what are we going to do with tomatoes that's going to feel like not just another tomato salad? And I haven't tried this uh, particular dish, but it sounds so good to me. I cannot wait to make it. It sounds so flavorful. And it's the Vietnamese tomato salad by Anthony Ha and Sadie Mae Burns from the New York pop-up Hostock Biet. Emil, I know you worked in this recipe with Anthony and Sadie Mae. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. When I was talking with Anthony and Sadie Mae was that this is a recipe that is on the menu of their pop-up kind of perennially. It's, it's no matter the season, some version of this salad is on the menu. Even when we were testing it, I was testing it at home in, I think, February or March with like 
fully out-of-season tomatoes, you know, the best that the grocery store had to offer, which was still fairly bleak. But that dressing is just so... It's basically just a nak cham. So it's lime juice, fish sauce, sugar, and like a splash of water. So it's kind of an undiluted nak cham, but it's just so bracing and tart and salty and sweet. And, you know, when I think about tomatoes and what makes them delicious, it is that kind of beautiful balance of acidity and savoriness and sweetness. And so even with a kind of mediocre grocery store tomato, this salad was just so flavorful and delicious. And there are tons of herbs in it. So it really has this really nice freshness to it. Yeah, I think a lot of these recipes, we always like to tell readers and home cooks to work with what you have. Don't be afraid to make adjustments, adaptations. This particular tomato recipe also calls for some bell pepper and some tender herbs and some fennel and some cucumber. Peanuts. Yeah, there's like a lot going on in here. So talk a little bit about some of the other ingredients and how they play off of the tomatoes and how people can kind of swap around if they so choose. That's the thing that I really was struck by with this recipe is just all that it's doing texturally. There's a little bit of raw pepper. There's like peanuts and fried shallots, which like as a store-bought ingredient, just like a one-stop shop for adding kind of oomph and texture and crunchiness is just kind of unrivaled. And having like that nak cham be relatively undiluted when it goes sort of onto the tomatoes is also so like quietly genius just because the tomatoes are obviously going to start to water out the moment they're in contact with the dressing. And then all the flavors will kind of equilibrize, that's not a word, <laughs> um, are going to stabilize and reach some sort of equilibrium as they kind of sit and those juices kind of marry and mingle. I think that the beauty of this uh, recipe too, it's really about that dressing, which I think the thing that's amazing about that is you could double, triple that dressing and use it all week. You could dilute it some and use that as a dipping sauce for summer rolls or even for kind of crudite or something like that. You could keep it at that kind of full strength and pour it over some grilled fish as soon as it came off the grill. Mm. You know, when I think about simple cooking, it's about having that kind of flexibility and being able to set yourself up potentially so that you're cooking once and to make a salad in under a half an hour. And not only that, but have a dressing that you can use two, three, four times. To me, that, that feels extremely simple. After the break, we're going to move into the main course of our episode with a recipe from a really exciting pop-up chef. And Emil, Chris, and I will attempt to settle the great dip debate. Okay, so we've covered our DIY classy sour cocktail, a little kebab appetizer, a punchy Vietnamese tomato salad, and now let's move on to the main dish, which is a deeply savory dip called Tuk Tre Pang Po. It's served with pork chops, and it comes from Charya Un's New York-based pop-up, Krung Cambodia. Emil, you met Char's parents and tried the original version of this dish, I heard. 
Yeah, yeah. So I um, last summer took a road trip with Char to her family's home in South Carolina. And her mom is the most unbelievable cook I've ever met. I mean, they have her and Char's dad have like an incredible garden in their backyard. They're growing lemongrass. They're growing ginger, all kinds of Cambodian herbs that are just harder to find in South Carolina. So we drove like, I think it was like 14 hours to get there and spent 24 hours there and then drove back. But, you know, and it was all food the entire time that we were there. And Char has a pop-up called Krung Cambodia. And a lot of it is her kind of cooking with her mom, learning about these traditional dishes, and then coming back to New York or, you know, sometimes in different places and cooking them for customers and for friends. And so it feels like a really incredible intergenerational transference of knowledge and culture. And the morning that we were leaving, Char's mom was on the porch. I was sleeping like right next to the porch. And I just hear like something sizzling in a pan. And I like, I'm just smelling plumes of fish sauce kind of wafting and chilies and kind of charred shallots. You know, this is at like 7.30 in the morning and I I kind of wake up and go out and her mom is just smiling. Where am I? Yeah. And so she was doing it outside in the recipe that we have in the magazine. All the vegetables are just kind of put on a sheet pan and then broiled just to char them and take a little bit of the edge off and kind of build a little bit of that complexity. And then all of those things just get hucked into a food processor And that that was the thing that Char talked about a lot when we were talking about this recipe is sometimes it can just be kind of mortared together and be a little bit chunkier, looser, and sometimes it can be blended and like fully emulsified. But then it gets hit with a lot of lime juice, a lot of fish sauce, and a lot of cilantro. So it's it's kind of has like a little bit of everything. It's, It's spicy, it's super aromatic, and just really, really bright. And, you know, works really beautifully as a a dip for all kinds of protein. In this case, we're pairing it with pork chops just to kind of like make it a full meal, but it'd be delicious with steak, with chicken. Char had a funny story that she was telling me about how her family would go to this all-you-can-eat seafood buffet and they would smuggle in the sauce Mm -hmm. so that they could have that at the table to dip crab legs into, to dip shrimp into. So it's really another one of those things that's a really nice kind of all-purpose condiment that you can make. Yeah, it seems super versatile when you want. You could use it as, you know, the centerpiece of a appetizer platter, or you could use it as a topping for your mains, or it's like your dinner dip. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You got to have sauce, all the sauce. Always a sauce, yeah. So let's just settle a quick food debate. Can can a dip be a full meal? Absolutely. <laughs> what are you dipping? Hold on, hold on, Emil. What, <laughs> what are you talking about? Slow down. She's get all can. the facts. Get all the facts before you weigh in, man. <laughs> no question. You can't ask any questions, Chris. Just a yes or no. <laughs> no. Are you kidding? Put like Dad. a bunch of dip out on the table and see what happens in my house. Are you crazy? I don't know. I feel like your kids might be pretty into it, depending on the depending on the dip. I'm really surprised to hear that, Chris, because to me, that sounds like dip for dinner. Sounds like it would be like the perfect thing for your family where nobody nobody can agree on anything. It's like you. Yeah, have your the, kids like, can get the fish sticks and you can have like the pork chops. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. True. <laughs> Everyone that dips. Uh, I'm pitching. Can, I'm pitching this for our next issue. <laughs> 
Okay, so I want to wrap up with something simple and sweet. It's also a dip, so let's keep our cool, guys. It is the Stracciatella fruit dip recipe, and I love the alternate name in the recipe description, which is grown-up Dunkaroos. Seems like the perfect way to describe it. Emil, why don't you kick us off talking about this one? Oh, yeah. So this recipe is near and dear to my heart. It was developed by my lovely wife, Lauren. And so, I mean, it is basically just that. It's basically adult Dunkaroos. It's like a little bit of whipped cream, a little bit of sour cream, a little bit of sugar, not a ton, and kind of roughly chopped flakes of dark chocolate. Sometimes like a little bit, like a little bit of booze, which I think is optional, some Amaro or some rum or something like that. And it comes together really quickly, but you have this like delicious kind of creamy dip that you can use for berries, for sliced stone fruit. I like to think of it as like an after-dinner crudite. Yeah, but I do think sweet dips are kind of divisive, like dessert hummus. Do you remember how that kind of became a thing for a moment? Yes and no. That th- okay, do not. I, <laughs> Sorry I, to bring that I, in. We, here. we have to cut that. We cannot. We cannot talk about dessert hummus and the stracciatella. I miss in this. The same. I miss this entirely. Chris, you're better for it. Oh, all right. I won't look I, it up. I'm sorry I brought that into the room. This is nothing like dessert hummus. And also, if you like dessert hummus, no no shame in that game. But this is... I'll shame you. I'll shame you. Amanda <laughs> Amanda can't because uh, for uh, for certain reasons. But Contractually I forget, forbidden. <laughs> All right, fine. That's fine. But the, the important thing to keep in mind, though, is fast desserts is not necessarily obvious. I mean, aside from, you know, ice cream opening up a package of cookies, what have you. Simple homemade desserts are really tricky to get the right balance. You know, like we were looking at like, oh, could we do a sundae? Should we do a hot fudge sundae? You start looking at hot fudge recipes and it's like, oh, you got to wait with the frying thermometer and it's got to go to what temperature? And you're just like, no, that is not simple. Anything involving like a thermometer, you know, other than maybe a meat thermometer, it's just a click too far. I mean, I think that that's the thing is like people talk about simple fruit desserts all the time and that's such a summer thing, but it's like, if you're turning your oven on, if you are taking out an appliance, if you are really using like more than one bowl, it stopped being simple 20 minutes ago. And it's also hot, you know, the weather's getting warmer. I don't really want to turn my oven on. All of that feels like a little bit much. So kind of like a raw summer dessert feels like something that's very welcome. Yeah, and also one where people can like pick their own portion size. I think there's nothing more embarrassing than when you have a big meal and like you're kind of too full for dessert and then someone just gives you a plate of like a piece of pie and you're like, oh God, I'm not sure if I can finish this. And then you finish it and you're too full. This sort of buffet style dessert where it's here's your big bowl of dip and like here's a bunch of fruit and kind of go for it feels kind of low-key and like perfect for the summer dinner parties we like to have. For sure. I mean, I will also say that after this year, mercifully, I feel like I'm vaccinated. Lauren's vaccinated. Most of our friends are vaccinated. And so there's something that feels really exciting about being able to eat off of the same plate. (laughs) Oh, yeah. In the way that we were kind of having summer hangs last year where it's like, we're 10 feet away from each other and you have a bowl of chips and we have Mm -hmm. a bowl of chips. And we were making like, Two times everything. Like the saddest potluck where everyone just has to bring their own meal. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to point out that by the time our listeners have finished listening to this episode, uh, you could have executed any one of the recipes in this Simple Summer Cooking playbook. How many many recipes are there? Pop quiz. 22, 23... 
I that lost track. Right. It's all a blur. <laughs> Any one of those 23 recipes done in the time it takes you to listen to the Healthiest Podcast. You should have told people that at the beginning of the episode. Well, that's you what know, editing is for, Emil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. But we're actually going to keep it at the end. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Healthiest Podcast. If you were appetized by the audio, I highly recommend trying out some of the recipes in this year's Short is Sweet and Savory Package. All the recipes are available on print and digital. The link to that is in our show description. Thank you to our guests, Chris Morocco and Emil Stanek, for joining the show today. You can follow Chris on Instagram at MoroccoChris and watch all of his highly addictive Test Kitchen series on the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. And you can find Emil on his Instagram at B underscore Goutish. You'll have to ask him what that means. And if you love the show, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us keep putting out the good vibes. For the recipes and stories mentioned in the episode, you can follow Healthy-ish on all the social platforms at healthy underscore ish, or just visit our website for more. The Healthy-ish podcast is produced by Bon Appetit in partnership with Pod People. Vishnu Vallabhaneni is our senior producer, and Morgan Foos is our associate producer. This episode was engineered by Trey Booty, and our theme song is by Particle House. A huge thank you to the Pod People production team of Matt Sab and Madison Lusby. From Bon Appetit, June Kim and myself provided editorial direction for the episode. Special thanks to Julie Shen, Ginny Bloom, and Nico Steele. I'm your host, Amanda Shapiro. I'll see you next week. <laughs>